The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Hello, power partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Empowerment. Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It is a program I have positive book talk with the best authors and experts that help you excel in life. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I am very happy to be your personal growth success coach with you every week on the airwaves. So get ready to pump your energy. Love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, reaching for the stars. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star of your own life. For more information on a private consultation in person or over the phone, call 925-377-7827. And the miracle moment is nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. Well, speaking of miracles, we have a wondrous show for you today. We're going to kick it off in just a few seconds with Jennifer Hoffman and her fantastic book, 30 Days to Everyday Miracles. In segment two, you'll meet learning specialist and author John Toker. He's coming back for a return broadcast with his newest book, which is LD is Just Another Word for Learning. And then we have Meg Waite Clayton. She's going to bring us her newest novel, The Wednesday Sisters. And she's making quite a hit on the bestseller list right now with this new, new, new book. Well, before we meet Jennifer Hoffman and talk about miracles, I wanted to offer my sincerest condolences and prayers to an artistic colleague of mine who died, Farrah Fawcett. During the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I was her photo double as well as uh, working for years as her look-alike in print ads and commercials, her sparkling smile, and that fabulous Blonde Maine will always be immortalized. Farewell, Sarah. Rest in peace, and may your family be blessed with happiness. It's just way too young, way too soon. So it makes me quite sad. Well, now turning to more happy thoughts, we have Jennifer Hoffman with us today. And in today's tough economy and job market, people have resorted to reinventing their lives, creating futures they love, which is what we're about here on this show, actually following their hearts and living their dreams. In 2004, Jennifer introduced Miracle Coaching, which teaches the principles of miraculous living, and she's been doing this to thousands and four thousands of people. 
She has a background in being an intuitive and a clairvoyant, and her book is 30 Days to Everyday Miracles, How to Create a Miraculous Life. And if you're going to learn from anybody, you might as well learn from the best. Welcome, Jennifer, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm very glad to be here. And, yes, it is a bit of a sad day. I heard today that Sarah Fawcett died, and it seemed like such a shock. I was just, I actually just found out, I I hadn't watched the news or anything, Jennifer, and I've been getting these tweets and and, um, people contacting me by email saying, did you hear, did you hear, you know, and just before the show. So it just, I'm really, really sad. I know she fought a very brave battle. And then I also know that I think that we all have a date marked on us, and when it's our time, we have to go. So uh, she had an incredible life, and I know her imprint will be felt for a long time. Exactly, which is why we need to live in the moment. We need to live today, and as you said, we need to create the best life that we can have for ourselves. That's exactly right, and we always have to live. I'm so glad that you said that because I, I really think that we have to always live in the moment and live for today. And this is something that you actually teach with your uh, with your 30-day miracles training that you're doing in your miracle coaching because you had actually some tough times growing up. You were paralyzed as a little girl. You got were in a hit-and-run accident. And so you had to learn how to create miracles. Now, my favorite story, because I'm a Francophile and I'm also uh, an international traveler and just, you know, love to be on the road, is the story about how you wanted a vacation in France. So why don't we hear about how you created miracles in your own life, and then we're going to go to how other people can create miracles with theirs. And, of course, we're talking to Jennifer Hoffman. The book is 30 Days to Everyday Miracles, How to Create a Miraculous Life. Thank you, Cynthia, and I'm glad you asked me that because I love to share that story, which shows that it doesn't matter how down and out you are, how impossible your situation seems, you can create miracles. The story about my trip to France actually happened about four years ago when I was really struggling financially, and I just was I just had every month was paycheck to paycheck, and I was really in a financial bind. And one day I decided, I want to go to France this summer. And I decided I wanted to go to France for two weeks to a part of France that I wasn't familiar with, and I just wanted to go have a good time, eat great food, have a nice time. Of course, I have no money. And a couple days later, I get an email from a man that I knew, and I speak French because I grew up in France. I get an email from a man I knew. I open the email, and there was an invitation to go on a tour to France as the translator for two weeks to Normandy, a part of France I wasn't very, very familiar with. Oh, and that was another part of your thing. You wanted to go to an area that you weren't real familiar with, right? Exactly, yeah. And I wanted to go for two weeks. And, I mean, it, everything was in there for the two weeks. Yeah, but trip. you got a bonus on that. And you actually I got, got paid. He actually paid me for going, which was which made the trip possible because with my financial situation, if he hadn't paid me, I couldn't have gone. So, I mean, when I read that story, I was like, yes, Jennifer, this is is exactly how the power of intention and the powers of the universe work. I mean, you really put it out there. You wanted it. But one of the things that you really bring out in your book is you don't say how it's going to happen. You just make that statement. So talk to us about that because if you had said, well, I'm going to get to France, now I'm going to go mow lawns or I'm going to babysit or I'm going to get a different job, it might have taken forever. 
Right. And if I had asked for the money to take the trip, then I would never have gone because I didn't get the money. I actually just got the trip. Right. And the people right. who went on the tour paid $5,000 a piece to go on the trip, and I got to go for nothing. And the entire trip was paid for. The My transportation, all of my meals. Everything. And you ate in fabulous restaurants, you oh, said. We ate at wonderful restaurants, and we stayed at fabulous hotels. In so it was city. the dream vacation, and basically what you had done is said, I, want, I need a vacation, I want to go to France for two weeks. Exactly. And, and, but you never went into specifics. No. And is, that is the definition of how we need to start to create things, is not to tell the universe how it's going to be done. Exactly. You know, when we, when we put specifics, our, our view of the world is so limited by what we know. And the universe has such a much bigger view of the world. And, and what I tell clients, too, is sometimes your miracle is the answer to someone else's prayer. The, this man needed a translator for his tour. He would have had a very hard time because he didn't speak French. Managing two weeks with a driver and and everything that he had to do, without being able to speak, you know, to speak French. Fluently. Well, and he also wanted to use someone that he trusted, exactly. so he couldn't just go out and you know go on Craigslist or something and find a new hire that he thought could lead a tour. He trusted you, exactly. And the funny thing was, I had known this man uh, when I used to live in another part of the country. I hadn't heard from him for almost two years. This wasn't a contact that I had and someone that I had talked to and said, hey, you know, I want to go to France. Uh, you know, let me know if you need something. This was just literally out of the blue. In fact, when I got his email, I thought, well, that's strange. Why is he emailing me? I hadn't heard from him in, in over almost, like I said, almost two it's a, it's a brilliant story. And one of the things I wanted to bring out, because you bring this out over and over in your book, the name of, of Jennifer Hoffman's book is 30 Days to Everyday Miracles, How to Create a Miraculous Life is that what you have found with many of your clients, and of course you give many different stories in here in every chapter of what different clients have asked for, have gone for, what they needed, and how you've helped them. But many people come to you and they basically say, I want more money. And that's not a good thing to ask for. So you didn't ask for the money in this case. You asked for the trip. No. And and it is important to not ask for money because... Money isn't always the way your miracles come to you. Sometimes a request for money, maybe you need to have a bill paid or maybe you need uh, a way to have your car fixed or maybe you need groceries for that month. So ask for what you want because money isn't going to necessarily come to you. Maybe what you, as, as my example of the trip, what you want comes to you and it just, it, it's, People have a hard time understanding how, well, why would someone give me groceries or why would someone just pay for something for me? Well, they may need that. They may that There's something there that they need to do, and they need someone to receive that. Or an example of the trip, the, man, the translator was a business expense. He just wrote it into his trips, and, and he needed that as a service to his people on his tour. Well, and that gets me to another point that you get to when people are asking is, you have many people that are very selfless, you know, that come to you and they're used to being caregivers or whatever, but they will want to ask for others, for, you know, for somebody else to be healthy or somebody else to be happy. And one of the rules and tools of 30 Days to Everyday Miracles is that we can only ask for ourselves. Exactly. And that's the only, we can only expect miracles for ourselves and other people need to learn to ask for themselves. Exactly. You know, people have all kinds of reasons for experiencing whatever they experience in their life. 
and everyone has free will, and everyone is powerful, which is one of the first two principles of the book. Everyone is powerful. And, and everyone can create miracles. They can. They have to put themselves in that place where they believe miracles can happen for them, and they need to ask for them. You know, talk about the asking, because I've always been a huge believer is that miracles happen to those who believe. <laughs> and, and when we, you know, really believe that good things are going to happen to us, it tends just to be another universal law that that's what you draw to you. You know, what you think about and talk about comes about. So if all you talk about is negativity, that's what you're going to, just going to get more of it, you know, more and more and more, because that's what the universe thinks you love. But it is important that we put it out there and ask for what we want and ask for it in the present tense. Exactly. One of the, I, I have something I call the ABCs, you know, ask, believe, and celebrate. And I was presenting that in a class and someone said, well, what about receive? And I said, well, you'll receive it at the right time. You need to celebrate because your miracle happens at the moment you ask for it, not at the moment that you receive it. It's already started when you ask for it. And you just have to know that it's going to come to you. And you don't sit around and just wait for it. You just go about your business and the miracle will show up. And sometimes it will show up when you least expect it. But it will show up. And can I, can see, that it's thing? very important that we, we believe that way and that we put, our, put our, our efforts and our energy there. One of the things I really like about your book, Jennifer, is at the back, you have a bonus section that includes the 12 universal laws and miracle manifestations. And it's so fascinating when you read these. It, it makes so much sense. I mean, if we really stop and think about the different laws of the universe, whether it be uh, the law of vibration or cause and effect or the law of attraction, which, of course, you know, has gotten so much uh, press these days or abundance, that we all have these things happening in our lives that sometimes we don't recognize them. Exactly, and the universal laws work like gravity. You know, if I drop something, it's, if I let something go, it's going to drop on the floor. Well, the universal laws are the same way. They work with everything, and they work the same way all the time. So you were talking earlier about the example of negative thinking. If I think negatively, I'm going to get negative results, not once, not twice, but every single time. So if I think positively, I get positive results. The universe is always very consistent. So when you understand the universal laws and you understand how they work, then you can figure out how to make them work for you. You like to say when we change your mind, if you change your mind and change your thoughts, you can create a miracle. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, our thoughts are habitual. And actually our mind doesn't think new thoughts. Unless we introduce a new thought or change a thought, our mind just thinks the same thoughts every single day. And it's not until you become aware of your thoughts and really start focusing and, and figuring out what it is you're actually thinking that you can make changes. There's a part in the book that's called the, you know, the use your miracle voice. And your miracle voice is a voice that says, I want a new job or I want a new relationship. But if you haven't been paying attention to your thoughts, there's a little inner voice that says, Look what happened to, to you the last time you had a relationship or why would you want a new job or you can't find a new job or you don't have enough skills. It's paying attention to those because those are the thoughts that kill your dreams. And we're all about living our dreams. Everyone, when you talk to someone, they want to live their dreams, but they don't know how. So here is a tool. You can contact Jennifer Hoffman. She is a coach. 
She's an intuitive. She can help you live your dreams. Her website is enlighteninglife.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N-I-N-G, life.com. Her book is 30 Days to Everyday Miracles. She also has a fabulous newsletter, and she blogs, so you want to get in touch. Will you leave us with a final miracle moment, Jennifer? Uh, I can share a wonderful story about someone who actually created a wonderful miracle in his life at the time when he thought it was just, it was impossible. And he was actually working with me individually, and he was impossible. And he had no money to make his mortgage payments. And I said, okay, that'll be your homework for next week. You need to see this payment is being made. And he said, well, okay. And I know he didn't believe it. And I said, okay, I can tell you it will happen and it will be fine. But it's going to be a little unusual and you're going to be a little surprised. So the next week he called me and he said, you know, I've been an adult for a long time. And he actually was in real estate. He said, I have never seen happen what happened to me this week. And I said, well, what? He said, my mortgage company called me and told me not to make my payment because they had installed a new accounting system and they couldn't process payments. They put the payment at the back of the loan. And so you can read stories just like this one. I love that story. And there's every chapter has a story. There's 30 days and 30 different chapters of, in, of everyday enlightenment, basically. So go to enlighteninglife.com. The author is Jennifer Hoffman. Jennifer, thank you for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and sharing your miracles and how we can create them in our life. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure. Stay with us. When we come back from break, we're going to be talking to John Toker and learning more about his new book about how to learn differently. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the Star You Are. We'll be back in just a minute. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Did you know that teens with low self-esteem who feel they don't fit in are more vulnerable to peer pressure, more likely to have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors? You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925 377 
1-800-273-8527. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Thank you for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan. Have you all been diagnosed with any learning disabilities, autism, ADHD, Asperger's, dyslexia? Do you know how to help your child learn differently and learn effectively? Well, John Toker, who is the author of Conflicting Sanity, is a learning specialist, a tutor, and he is now writing a new book that's LD Just Means Learn Differently. He has been on our show before, so I'm welcoming him back. Hi, John. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for having me back. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming back because what you're writing about, what you're talking about, what you're doing is so important. For years you've worked with students to help them develop their own learning style, to learn how to think and study more independently. And you, you've always, you know, you meet students on their level. So now this new book that you are um, in the process of, of publishing is called LD Just Means learn differently, and it is talking about, uh, it's written in a way that the characters are struggling through different elements, and they are helped through it by a, a very caring person. Is this based on your teaching? Tell us about how you develop the storyline. It's, it's written like a novel, because I know you wanted to allow confidentiality, but tell us about the background for it. Uh, well, growing up, I had my own learning issues. I was diagnosed with dyslexia and probably should have been diagnosed with ADHD, but it was before that was commonly identified with people. And then over the years, I faced my own learning issues and received tutoring and things of that nature. And initially was a psychotherapist and then went back to school for additional education to address people with learning issues. And it was during this time of of working with people who face issues associated with autism, dyslexia, ADHD, and a number of other uh, learning issues that I decided to to write a book that I felt would inspire people who who have these kinds of matters. You know, uh, John, when I was reading the book, you know, you talk about how the letters and the numbers are flipping all the time. And I've known so many people who have suffered with this same issue, and I imagine that's what we're talking with dyslexia, where things flip around, and, and that's kind of what you experienced as well. 
Yes, exactly. It was the flipping of the letters and also kind of pinching of letters that are that kind of blurred together or trouble finding my place when going to the next line. And, you know, I've also been reading a lot, hearing a lot, how there is a rise in young people being diagnosed with autism, Asperger's, dyslexia, or ADD, or ADHD. Is it because the diagnoses are better now, or is there something going on that we're not even totally aware of that is impacting our brains and our ways of learning um, that's environmental? Do you know any of that? Well, it, these, it's a controversial issue as to what's causing the increase of autism, dyslexia, and ADHD diagnosing. Uh, some people were complaining, at least for autism, that it was an issue associated with the vaccines, but there's been a lot of evidence that it's not the vaccines and the uh, parents are avoiding proper vaccines for their children um, in an attempt to avoid autism. They're risking more substantial um, health risks associated with polio and things of that sort. So um, there, there is uh, quite a bit of debate about it. Um, there have been some cases where certain learning issues have proven to be an advantage, and I tend to think that what we see as a problem with the right treatment can be a cure for many things and be a, a real asset. Um, there has been quite a bit more testing than there was done in the past, so I, I suspect that that is part of why there is an increase. Um, but I, I, I also believe that in 10, 15 years we'll look back and we'll know a lot more than we do now. Well, but thank goodness there are people out there like yourself that uh, are really caring about helping individuals with learning disabilities as opposed to separating them off. And this is something that you get to in your new book, LD Just Means Learn Differently. You did the cover design yourself. Yes. And, uh, and you have different characters in your book that I wanted to address. And, and I, I'm sure there are a compilation of different people, et cetera. But talk to us about your a character of Ryan and where Ryan comes from because he's, he's so caring and, you know, he's so uh, empathetic. Discuss Ryan and his role in the book. Well, Ryan is largely me growing up and facing learning issues associated with, as I mentioned earlier, the dyslexia and, and probably undiagnosed ADHD. And so I think Ryan has a added insight in working with people with these learning issues because of going through it himself and then combined with the right training in school. And uh, Ryan is able to convey how these people who feel like they're just so far behind everybody else, how do they catch up, how they really bring as much or more to the table as everybody else, that those that are struggling sometimes the most are inspiring the most. And that, that when people realize this about themselves, that when they fight these battles, it seems so daunting that they're really inspiring other people they've never even met. They often feel a lot better about themselves, they have a lot more energy, they see a greater connection between themselves and why they're here on this planet. Did you always write in a journal, or is this something you created for Ryan? Um, it was. I took notes over time of personal insights, 
and it was actually over a number of years, and I infused those insights into uh, the novel, and the novel partially functions uh, to kind of record my growth and understanding and insights about the learning issues. Because although you have a quote, I mean, there's many quotes because you you talk about Ryan opening his journal, clicks his pen, but I thought I wanted to read this one because it really touched me. We speak of our lives in moments or with a voice of inner mantras. What does it mean? You know, what are we all doing here? Life. All that makes an eye of a sunflower grow a lax number of seeds, each one holds the potential to tower times a thousand its current size. I thought that was a very, very, you know, pertinent, very important emphasis on how important and how precious life was. So now the characters that you get into, there was a, a car accident. You have Tabitha Jones in here. Is this someone that you knew or was this a student or is this someone you've created? Uh, someone I, I knew. Uh, all the people in the, in the book are based off actual cases. So these are all real cases then? Yes. Well, talk to us about some of the different cases that you have you have treated and that you have woven into the book because you have characters in here with autism, you have dyslexia, you have uh, ADD in here. Talk to, discuss this and how they weave together. Well, on the surface, they probably people who have these issues probably feel so different from each other, but. Uh, the way they weave together is that they're all facing uh, added challenges than most of their people their age, and they are feeling a lot like they're not contributing or they're not going to be competitive, and then they realize over time that they can be, and that's what is to show is that they really can be a part of something bigger than uh, what's going on for them at that immediate time. Uh, there's uh, Jaden, who is... Uh, diagnosed on the spectrum of autism, and he is uh, just a little boy, but he's wanting to move much more inward in his world and push away the outward world. And I talk about how to help him move outward, more just kind of in the regular way of looking at things, but at the same time how we can learn from him as far as uh, the ability to uh, focus on the, uh, for example, uh, mathematical abilities, and, and we see uh, what with the coding for uh, advanced software for national security and things of that sort, you, you, they, they can tend to move inward and, and attach themselves a lot to those kinds of concepts, but it, and which are vital to people, but also at the same time him to come outward so that he can feel more connected to his family and society in other ways. Well, what I see in the manuscript, and again, we're talking to John Toker, and John is a learning specialist. He's also a tutor, and he is an author of two books now, Conflicting Sanity and the new one, LD, Just Means Learn Differently. And I love this idea that it's learn differently. That is just so important because... I think in days gone past, many people who, especially if they had children that were having difficulties, 
that the mainstream schools weren't ex- so accepting, and it was so easy to be targeted or to be name-called, whereas today there are more facilities and more help for kids. And as you said, so many of these uh, the people that have any kind of learning disabilities or, or, or learning differently are extremely intelligent. I have a client who has an autistic son who's three who is uh, he has no social skills at all, but he can, uh, he's uh, English born, I mean, they, they speak English at home. He picks up languages very quickly. When he hears somebody else speak, he can count in different languages, and he loves classical music. And if you do a bar of any classical song, he will, he will hum the whole song to you, and he's only three. Yes, so it seems like they, they have some, you know, that many autistic people have some heightened learning experiences. That's exactly right. And I have another uh, person in my story that uh, is on the spectrum of autism, and he's blind. And this is based off an actual person who is phenomenally talented in music, and uh, he can play 22 instruments at a, a master level, but especially plays the piano. And I almost didn't go to see him perform until I heard that he's diagnosed with autism, and I thought, okay, I can learn from this. Yes. And when I went to see him perform, it was amazing. It was an outstanding performance, and it it just showed me one of many examples of how talented people are on on the spectrum of uh, autism. Absolutely. And uh, you, I also, well, I'm, all these characters in here, all these cli- clients or people that you have worked with, they're all so inspiring and they're all so very different because you're touching on a lot of, of different learning differences that, uh, that people have. What have you found to be the most important way to, to work uh, to make people aware that it's, not only okay, but it's it's imperative that you learn differently, that you choose differently. I know that you use art and you and people drawing and the music and all of that. But could you tell us a little bit about some of the methods? Yes. Uh, well, one is central is that I make sure the student sees the process of trying, doing one's best as the central goal. You know, we've heard this before, but I make sure that it's truly front and center in their minds so that as long as they feel that they've done the best they can, the results will happen. That's, because you don't want them to be frustrated, and that's what happens so often. Yes, exactly. I, I don't want them to be frustrated, and I also tell them about people who have faced learning issues and accomplished great things and not only that there are people like this, that they are disproportionately this way. The high percentage of the people that are highly accomplished in unusual ways. If you take Thomas Edison, he was said to be unteachable and kicked out of school in the third grade. And then some people say, well, in modern times, someone like him would have been tested and he wouldn't have slipped through the cracks. Well, the problem with that is there are modern-day people who have identified themselves as having learning issues and fell through the cracks. I mean, this Craig Venter, Human Genomics, he's identified himself as a CD student in high school. Ultimately, 
he turned things around and he he's been highly successful but that's much more in the ballpark of of our era and so we see see an example there and there's just so many people that who had had to learn differently in order to get ahead they then had a unique they had unique perspectives on how things work and were able to be innovative and offer and contribute and feel feel esteemed by it. Well, I just honor you for breaking this isolation, you know, uh, from people who have a different way of learning because there is such brilliance and genius out there, and you're really bridging the gap with your work that you are doing and, you know, providing a very safe, sound structure for the the uh, the clients that need this you know this encouragement i think it's in- encouragement you're really listening you understand and you're giving them the tools and one of these tools is this this new book ld just means learn differently could we give out your website john yes okay it's- well the john's website and you can get his books there and he has a great website with lots of information on it where you can find out more about learning issues, and that is johntoker.com, www.johntoker.com. And when will people be able to get your book? It's expected to come out next month. Excellent, excellent. So you can be in touch. Go to johntoker.com and you'll be able to find the book and also take a look at his other book that is... A Conflicting Sanity. It's an excellent, excellent book. And of course, if you need tutoring services, you, you can find a compassionate listener, teacher, and someone who has been there and really believes in people in John. John, I am so glad that you're back on the show. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Cynthia. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, I love it. And, and come back again. Thank you, John. Again, his book, LD Just Means Learn Differently, johntoker.com. When we come back from break, we are going to be talking to Meg Wake Clayton, the author of The Wednesday Sisters. So stay with us. It's all about friendship and fun. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a minute. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Bethestarur.org. Are you living your dreams? 
Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan. Brian is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. I appreciate you staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week we bring you the best-selling authors who enhance and enchant your life. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. Well, get your party shoes on and come celebrate the 10th anniversary of the literacy charity, Be the Star You Are, at our mega book and Bands Bash on September 13th from 4 to 9 p.m. I will be there with 13 contributors autographing my new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. You're going to meet celebrities, enjoy mocktails, snacks, raffles, martial arts demonstrations, the music of several live bands, be able to buy unique gift items from a variety of vendors, and all for a tax deduction and a good cause. We're increasing literacy, empowering women, families, and youth. The donation is only $13 for a full day of family fun. We want you to bring your wallet, though, and come dance under the stars. It's the Be the Star You Are Books and Bands Bash. To order tickets or for more information, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Come celebrate with us. Remember, it's all tax deductible, and it is a great cause for literacy. Our motto is is to be a leader, you must be a reader. Read, lead, succeed. So see you at the Books and Bands Bash, and let's party on. Well, now that I'm pitching literacy, reading, and writings, we have a delightful author with her new book that is all about writing, books, and, of course, the friendship between women. The author is Meg Waite Clayton. Her evocative novel is The Wednesday Sisters. Welcome, Meg, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks so much for having me, Cynthia. Well, I, I, hey, congratulations, girlfriend. You have been getting some awesome press around this new book of yours, and it sounds like you had a lot of fun writing it. I certainly did. Um, the Wednesday Sisters is, uh, as you said, a story of friends, uh, friends who start writing together eventually. They meet over books and they eventually form a writing group. And one of the great joys of writing it was that it draws 
although it's fiction, it draws its emotional heart from my own friends. So as I was writing it, it was like being able to sit down every morning and wrap myself in my dearest friendships and uh, write about right from that place. And so it was a lovely experience writing it, and it's been just a terrific experience uh, with the publication of it so far. I couldn't ask for a better response. I know. It's so exciting. Well, you know, you have set it in the 60s. The, the novel takes place in the 60s uh, and then goes through the 70s. And of course, it's a time that women are changing. We're becoming a little bit more liberated. In fact, our children today wouldn't even realize the things that our parents went through or, you know, even just a few years older than us. But the fact is is that these were all really smart ladies who were married, who moved to Palo Alto or you're the Bay Area where you are actually from exactly. in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they meet every Wednesday at a park in uh, Palo Alto, but eventually they're not meeting on Wednesdays. I loved your your finale on the Johnny Carson show. Oh, thank you. It was really quite funny. But now are they all, did the characters all evolve from pieces of you? Uh, they do all, I don't know that I would say that they evolve from pieces, from pieces of me, but they do all have little pieces of me embedded in them. So, for example, Linda is a runner. She, uh, she's, she started. I actually meant to have her be on the Stanford women's track team when she was at Stanford before the book opened. Uh, but then when I went to do my research, it turns out that Stanford, one of the great uh, colleges of women's sports, had no, no women's track team in the early 60s. But so her, her love of running is my love of running. Um, Frankie, the opening scene of the novel, is the narrator of the story, Frankie, coming into Palo Alto not knowing a soul and wondering how she's going to make friends. And I moved so many times when I was a child and then also as an adult. And so that feeling that she has, the nervousness of coming to a new place and wondering if I will find kindred souls, uh, is certainly something that I've experienced. Well, I also like the fact that you had a, quite a few different things going on in the book. You have what we called in those days a mixed marriage. Yes. You know, so you have a Caucasian married to an Indian man who was, who was, uh, there were very rude, a couple of rude characters in the book who were saying, well, how could that baby, why didn't you adopt a, a, a white baby? And, you know, th- those things are not so politically correct anymore, but it was what was said in those days. Well, exactly. And one of the interesting things about writing the book is that th- I think that there still is, but to a much lesser extent, a degree of kind of uh, lurking racism, um, gender discrimination, um, religious discrimination uh, in many, many of us. Um, but it was much more on the surface in the 1960s, and so people would say things that they are probably less inclined to say now. One of the tricks was, because I do think that that is something that was very prevalent at the time, I, didn't, I wanted my characters to be real, and so I wanted them to carry with them a little bit of racism. It was a real challenge to create a racist character who the modern reader won't be overly offended by. Well, you know, I went, you brought me back, so, I, I mean, I was, grew up a little bit later than that, but, you know, obviously have the 60s and 70s, but I, but I, uh, you brought me so close to so many things I remember, like, being growing up Catholic, I remember my family always saying, you're gonna, you have to marry in the Catholic faith. Well, of course, none of us did. Right. <laughs> we never married. None of our none of our spouses. Were this, but you know, there was that whole idea that you had to be the same religion. 
I also grew up Catholic and had the same, you know, the same impression that uh, I was going to, it never occurred to me until I was pretty old, that I would marry somebody who wasn't Catholic, somebody outside of my faith. Right, well, and didn't you want to be a nun? I always wanted I to did. be a nun. <laughs> actually, yeah. I wanted to be a priest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to be a priest because they got to be on the altar and nobody else did. But, exactly. But, you know, there were so many things in here that rang so true, everything from from the clothes to what the women did, and I, I remember that if there was a mother that worked, that you felt so sorry for those children that the mother would have to work. And I just and the whole with your character cast in having this wonderful, beautiful life on the outside, but inside was just completely trashed, and a husband that was a philanderer. But she had to keep up images, and she had to. She was always trying to hold the marriage together, and I found that interesting because you wonder, you know, was it was it good for the kids? Was it not good for the kids? Is what we're doing today with everybody divorcing so fast? Is that better than what she was trying to do? Yeah, it's really interesting to see how much things have changed, and yet, and yet, in some ways, not so much. I certainly know, I certainly know people who are in relationships that are not ideal relationships, and yet they choose to stay be- for the sake of the children. And uh, I think it's a good question whether that is good for the children or not. Well, I think it really, you know, you didn't go into what was happening later with the children, but it seemed like the children were well-adjusted in your book so far. Yeah. From what I had. And it just seems like, you know, she was okay with it, and she went on to have a fabulous career and really becoming a leader. But, you know, the the cornerstone of the book and which I loved the most was the really deep friendship between the women. Because, especially with that number of women, we have a bad rap as women that, you know, we we get together, we'll have a book club, or we'll have this or that. But that so often that women are backstabbing. And these were women, even though they had their arguments and they had days when they didn't talk, etc., they really cheered each other on, they really cared, and they really helped each other become writers. Yes, absolutely. I think, again, their friendships draw on my friendships, and I tend to shy away from backstabbing kinds of women, and so my closest friends are really nice. also draws on this generation, this generation of women in the book is more my mother's generation than my own, so it draws on my mother's generation as well. I sometimes wonder if there was less competition between women back then because there was less pressure, I mean, there were less opportunities, but there were also less pressure for women to do certain things, to have everything, to be everything. I, I would tend to agree with you there because that's the, that was the, what I felt, too, is that, you know, in, in the setting that you put your five characters, women basically, they got, even if they were educated, they succumbed to what their husband did. If their husband moved, they picked up and moved. Because their husband got the job, the mothers stayed, the women, yeah, I just said, the women became mothers and their job was to stay home and take care of the kids and take care of the home. Whereas the next generation, which would be us, we grew up that, hey, we're going to have careers too. And what I really loved with your characters is they ended up doing both. Is yes. that they had, they were doing the mothers, but they be, they had their careers as writers and editors and whatever it is that they decided to do. Yeah, and part of the reason they can do that is because, you know, one thing, one big event that happens in the course of the novel is the women's movement. This book opens just before the women's movement happens when these, these are five moms who are basically committed to a more traditional 1950s style women's life when the women's movement happens and all of a sudden these possibilities open up. But for them, they're already home. They already have 
children. Um, they have not gone on to graduate school or whatever, and so their opportunity, they, they're just kind of that, that last generation of women uh, before the opportunities opened up. And yet they long to achieve things and long to have identities of their own separate from their husbands. And it is absolutely through their friendship that they find the courage to explore who they want to be and reach for who they want to be. Well, and you have them, you know, going to San Francisco to be in the marches and participating. They're not being bra burners, but they, they're participating in all these activities. And their eyes are so awakened to it, to uh, what's going on. And they, they do crave the change, and, and they, they, they evolve with the times, which is what women have done and are doing, and, and this is what to me was really fun in the book, is to see where they started off, to see where they ended up, to see how even, you know, when the one, they publish a book and then it didn't get the applaud it, it should have, but then the next one becomes a bestseller, but then she pulls her friend up by announcing it, her friend's book on the Johnny Carson show. I loved all that. I thought it was so great that they were pushing, helping each other shine and, and patting each other on the back. Well, thank you. Uh, again, you know, that draws from my own Your friendship. friends. Yeah, well, my you friends. Have always, you've had a writer's group, and, I mean, you, even then, you have a friend that, even though you're far away, I mean, you just, you are truthful with each other. That's exactly right. I, the, the writer's group that the group forms, that the Wendy sisters form in the novel, is very much based on my own writing group from Nashville. We were uh, four writers who, when we first started writing together, we had not, we had one travel article published in a very small uh, journal between the four of us. And now we all have agents, we all have published stories and essays, and we count seven books published or being written under contract between us. Isn't and I'd like to say... Of, you know, that's just so fabulous. And I'm assuming that you, you all share your contacts and you try to help each other. We do, absolutely. But that's, that's what a writer's group does. That's exactly right. That's so exactly. it has, for you, this has been a real positive thing when you're talking about uh, if anyone was interested in becoming a writer, is to become a part of a writer's group. But it has to be the right people. You really have to connect and you really have to be truthful and at the same time, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be negative, but you have to really be wanting to assert yourself and help each other to be the best you can be. That's right. One of the things that we did in my group and that I have the Wednesday sisters do in their writing group is we had a rule that you said something nice about a piece of writing before you said something constructive about it, and that when you gave criticism, it was in a constructive way. So that, was that sandwich, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, I think that, and I liked, I love that a, a, a lot. And then another thing that is so great, and we're talking, the book, The Wednesday Sisters, and we're talking with Meg Waite Clayton, and that is, you have a reading list at the back, and throughout the book, it's just peppered with all the books that your characters are reading and how they, they, you know, they're having parties and they're dressing up as their favorite characters. Very much sometimes they're acting like their favorite characters or their not-so-favorite characters. It was so terrific just to be on this jaunt, this journey of literary fun. I really enjoyed it. 
I'm so glad. I'm so glad. One of the great things about writing a book is that when you discuss books in it, you can pick all of your favorites. So when they asked me to do a reading list to put at the back of the paperback, I, I was totally thrilled because it allowed me to list all my favorite books and suggest that people uh, could should read them. Well, I, and all of the listeners can find Meg's favorite list uh, when you pick up a copy of The Wednesday Sisters. You can go to Meg's website, megwaitclayton.com, for more information about where she is, where she's going to be speaking, where she'll be autographing, and new books. And I know you're writing a new one, Meg, aren't you? I sure am. I'm writing one called The Ms. Bradwells, which is um, a story about the women a few years older than this women, again, friends this time four, and it is women who first meet in law school in 1979. And oh, see, so you're working your way up to present day. Love it, love it. Well, again, bravo. Congratulations on the Wednesday Sisters, and we know that you're going to just continue uh, writing, and uh, best of success to you the rest of your Wednesday Sisters, your real-life writing group. Thank you so much, Meg, for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks so much for having me, Cynthia. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and I certainly hope that you'll come back when you have your next book. That was Meg Waite Clayton, megwaiteclayton.com. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're here every single week, and stay tuned because I love being your personal growth coach and helping you with some expert advice from our renowned authors from around the globe. You can change your life and make your dreams come true. Go out into the world. Make it your best day because today is the only day that you have. We hope that you've been encouraged, inspired, informed, and motivated. Until next week when we celebrate again, I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you be the star you are. Ciao for now. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker.